right. Well, it's it's really good to be with you this morning. Uh, before we begin, um, I'm just going to open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, it is so great to be able to uh, wake up um, every every uh, Wednesday and to come to a place like the Potter's House and to get an opportunity to do that more often has been a blessing. Lord, today, as we contemplate what you have for us, we pray that you will be here. We pray that your Holy Spirit will have free reign and that you will do what you have set out to do in this time. We give it to you, and I ask that you would anoint my words, that they would be your words, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable to you, O Lord, my Redeemer. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, as Jeannie said, um, I gave this uh, testimony to the discipleship kids, actually both the elementary and the middle school. I've been asked in December to uh, give a testimony to the middle school, and that was extremely uh, uh, well received, and I was very humbled by the response. And then um, in, I don't remember if it was January or or what, but so, shortly thereafter, we were going to have a quiz bowl one morning, and actually I was kind of thinking that I might not show up because it was quiz bowl, but I happened to have no choice in the matter because of other things that were going on, and so I showed up, and then I had the opportunity to share, so I know that it was a God thing, and uh, God, man plans his way, but God directs his steps, and that is really a big part of what my testimony is. I'm going to share with you this morning two brief scriptures in the course of my testimony. And um, the first one comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 4. And uh, because uh, as I was growing up with my um, physical uh, disability, I had a real hard time with accepting myself. And I think that that is something that has put me in a very good um, place as far as uh, dealing with the kids. Because I know that some of these kids, they, um, they don't know where their place is. And I'm able to tell them that um, that God has a plan. I'm not finding the exact reference. I probably should have looked at that a few minutes ago. But basically, my journey was very much like Moses. Moses was minding his own business on a mountain, herding sheep, and one day God came to him uh, in a burning bush and said, Moses, 
I've heard the cry of the Hebrews. I want you to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now, of course, in our understanding of God and what He is capable of, we know that God could have said a word and slew all the Egyptians and the children of Israel could have walked out on their own two feet without Moses ever going there. But we also know that when God has a plan, He makes sure that it goes His way. And what Moses did... When God told him, see Moses started out good because he said, Moses, and when he, Moses heard his name, he said, here I am, Lord. But then when God started to lay out his plan for Moses, Moses said, I'm not eloquent. I can't speak. Please send someone else. And God responded in the way God often responds and has responded to me in the past. Who made your mouth, Moses? Have not I the Lord? And one of the things that I have most realized in my life is that God knows the answer to every argument we have before the argument comes out of our mouth. So one thing that I often encourage people with is to save your breath <laughs> and surrender to God because I wasted a good nine years of my life trying to tell God that I knew better than he did what the reality of life was. I became a believer when I was shortly before I was five years old. I committed my life to Jesus Christ. It's the best decision I ever made. But rather than being the end of a journey and just ushering in uh, a day-by-day -day, uh, acceptance and that everything was great, it really started me on a journey of struggle. Because for the next nine years, as I said, I questioned God, I argued with God, I said, God, I know that you never make mistakes, but somehow you made one here, and you put me in this wheelchair, and I can't do as much as I would like to do to serve you. And that's the way I felt for a long time. Fast forward to 1992, specifically July 16th. It's a date that will forever be burned into my memory because my little baby brother, who was three months old at the time, went to bed for a nap at, after his morning feeding about 7.30 a.m. And he never woke up. My mom went to check on him several times throughout the morning, but when he hadn't woken up, by about 1 or 1.30, she went up and found that he'd already gone to be with Jesus. I'll never forget the feeling of helplessness. I still can't hear an ambulance sirens.
without without going back to that day. And I remember this was my rock bottom moment. In the days after that, I just wanted my life to end. I wanted to go home to heaven. There was no reason to live. And I was mad. And I said to God, why God, why did you leave me here and take him? He was healthy. He had potential and I'm useless. And for the next three months especially, but for a greater part of a year, I was more bitter at God than I'd ever been before. And if I could have gotten out of church, I would have. But the, fa the fact of the matter was, I was in a wheelchair, and so my parents put me in the car and took me to church every Sunday. And they showed me by example that even when bad things happen, God is good. The following year, when I was about 14, I went to a conference where the speaker talked about 10 things that you can't change about yourself, but you wish that you could. And one of those things was the way God made you physically. And it was in that session that God broke through and he said, Andrew, said, I don't need to change you on the outside to use you. I just need you to let me change your inside and to yield yourself to me so that I can use you. And if you will step back and let me use you, great things will happen. And that day, I committed myself that whenever I had an opportunity to share my testimony, with others, I would do so. Am I 100% faithful in that? No. But God has given me some interesting opportunities, and I count Potter's House as among one of the very best. Many of you have become very good friends of mine, and I love working with brothers and sisters in Christ and having the opportunity to impact the next generation for the Lord Jesus Christ. My hope is that God will allow me to be at Potter's House for many years to come and to continually increase my role here. Um, I think it complements well my other, the other part of my ministry, which is going to churches both in-state and around the country to share the gospel. And um, I've just been very excited how God has expanded that. Um, and it's just, it's amazing to see what God will do when we yield ourselves to Him and allow Him to open the doors. So often we think we have to try, we have to try harder to do God's will. And it's just, it's not true. Because the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, that it is God who worketh in us, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And so often, we just get in God's way. 
and we don't allow him to work. I was very nervous this morning. I don't know why, because I get up and speak all the time, but certain uh, speaking opportunities make me more nervous than others. But God is faithful. And to tell you the truth, I think that if I wasn't nervous, I'd be worried. Because it's, it's not about me. It's about Him. And as a result of that time in that conference, God has opened so many doors. I've been involved in a jail ministry for almost 14 years on a monthly basis. I've been uh, involved in a radio ministry, first of all, starting out on the WJQ Morning Show in Holland, doing morning devotions, and now with my personal podcast on my ministry website. I've been, I've spoken in several states, and I have regular speaking commitments here in Michigan on a monthly basis, continually looking for more. And um, I continue to look for more opportunities to um, to not only um, to make a living, but to make an impact in the process of doing so. I have a lot of dreams for the future. I hope to um, marry and have my own family as the Lord provides the right person to come alongside me and to help me in my ministry. Um, I really have a heart for families and the fact that there's so many broken families in our country specifically but around the world is is a grief to my heart. I'm very blessed to have parents who who love the Lord and who model it. They've been married for 37 years next month. They've raised 12 children and they've lived through two of the most horrific things that can happen to a marriage the death of a child, and a child born with a disability. Children born with disability, I don't know if you realize this, but children born with a disability such as mine cause an 80% increase in the likelihood of divorce. My parents chose, instead of allowing these things to drive them apart, they chose to allow them to drive them together and to bring them to the feet of the only one could make a difference in their lives. And because I saw that model, I was able, out of that great despair, out of those suicidal thoughts when I was 13 years old, to never lose my grip, or rather he never lost his grip on me. And he said, even if you yell at me, even if you pound on my chest, so to speak, I'm not going to let go of you. And because of that, I'm here today. Because of that, I'm the man that I am today. And because of that, I have hope for the future. The world is a dark place. There's a lot of bad things happening. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. My question to you, and to me as well, is are we living like we believe it? And do the kids that we come in contact with here know that we believe it?
Not just because we tell them we believe it, but because we act like we believe it. I want to share one final scripture, and then I'm going to share a song that has been my testimony in song. But first, let me find this scripture. And uh, it's um, Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. I believe what I'm reading from is the ESV. I usually read from the King James, but this is what I have this morning. So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore will I boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I've had three different times in my life when people have told me that if I had enough faith, I could get out of this chair and walk out of this room. I want to tell you something. I believe with all the conviction in the world that God has the ability to heal me. But I echo the words of Johnny Erickson Tata, who said, if God ever sees that my wheelchair is an impediment to my ministry, he'll take it away. Whether that's on this side of heaven, or whether that's when I get to glory, that's up to him. I tend to believe that he has blessed me with being in this wheelchair because it kept me close to him. I may have ended my life when I was a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> if I didn't, if I wasn't captive to this chair. So it was a blessing in disguise. Make no mistake. Make no mistake, I still have bad days. I still, it's, I'm still frustrated that I haven't been able to find uh, a steady enough income stream that would be enough to live on. I'm still frustrated that I really haven't had much of a chance in the area of having a long-term relationship with someone uh, leading toward marriage. These things still frustrate me. I, I, I got it, I've accepted the way God has made me, but there have been many days, even in recent days, when I lay awake at night wishing for all the world that I could give a young lady a healthy body, that I would be able to take care of someone in the way that a husband is supposed to. And I know that when the right one comes along, I'll be able to do that in ways that I don't even know at this point. But I'm just telling you, I still struggle. But I know that God is walking with me through the struggle. And whatever you're struggling with today, I know that God 
can walk with you through the struggle. And I hope you're not offended by this, but I've taken it upon myself to never assume that everybody in my audiences are saved. Maybe you've been to church all your life, but my question to you is not do you know all the Bible verses, not have you been in church every week for all your life, but have you made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ? Because a personal commitment to Jesus Christ makes all the difference in the world. And if you have committed your life to Christ, are you living for Him today? Maybe you're at a point where a rededication is necessary. I can think of at least two times in my life where that's been the case so far, and it probably will happen again. But God is faithful. He said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that he who has completed, or he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. My life verse also comes from Philippians chapter 1, and it says this, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Mm -hmm. Philippians 1, 20 and 21. I'm in the best win-win situation that you can ever be in. And I hope that if you have not already joined me, that you will. And now I'd like to share this song, which just conveys my testimony. And I hope that it will help and encourage you that God can use you as well. One by one, Jesse's sons stood before the prophets. Their father knew a king would soon be found. Well, each one passed, except the last. No one thought to call him, for surely he would never wear a crown. But when others see a shepherd boy, God may see a king. Even though your life seems filled with ordinary things, in just one moment, he can touch you, and everything will change. When others see a shepherd boy, God may see a king. One by one, problems come. Dreams get shattered, and sometimes it's hard to understand. But things like chance and circumstance, they don't really matter. Our Father holds tomorrow in His hands. And when others see a shepherd boy, God may see a king. Even though your life seems filled with ordinary things, in just one moment, He can touch you, and everything will change. 
when ever see a shepherd boy, God may see a king.